0: Hello and welcome to the Blue Pea Leader podcast, and I'm your host and the founder of Blue Pea Pod, Ruth Sanderson. If you want to become a leader of an organization where people feel alive and fully contribute, one that really understands who you are, lets you contribute your talents, live your purpose, and make a difference. Listen in now as we share the latest practical ideas and techniques to experience authentic success through leadership. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of The Blue Pea Leader. Now, the other week I was doing a workshop with leaders around how do we build high-performing teams. And they were talking about their teams and some of the issues that either they were facing or had faced. Um, and a few of the things that came up were things like uh, lack of trust, uh, poor communication... The fact that they got some people disengaging from the team, potentially actually from the company. But the other one that was there was averagely performing teams like, mm, is that good? Is that bad? So we had some really great conversations on on whether or not that was right at that particular point in time. Now, one of the things that came up when we talked about lack of trust, poor communication, disengagement, something else that came up was safety. In other words, at times, safety is very important to the team. And then what that means is that they're going to be uh, behaving in a way that keeps them safe. So I call this the cloak of invisibility. It allows us uh, to experience some sort of predictability, however unproductive or frustrating it can be. But safety, stability, comfort, that sense of knowing that you can do the same thing and get the same result, even if the result isn't great, but you're not rocking the boat. You see, the thing is, there will be situations whereby we, are, we look around and we go, rocking the boat is not good right now. It, it's more important for me to feel safe. You know, I've got to turn around and say that you know, there's been times in my life when I would have mugged Harry Potter for his invisibility cloak. Um, so you know, we can't go through and pretend like we've we've always been perfect and been able to face up to fears and and take a stand and all of those kind of things. You know, let's face it. You know, if we if we don't confess to his own mistakes, if we don't tell people that we've made some really lousy decisions and choices in our journey as a leader. Then the future leaders are going to look and go, I've really got to seem like I've got it all together at all times, which is most certainly not the case. So um, back to teams and or people within a team who are looking for safety. You know, at the end of the day, if this is a regular situation for somebody then they're going to have gone to a lot of trouble and have got some really good, plausible excuses in the bag to support the current situation. And they've probably also worked out where to point the finger, usually at a third party, a them, a department, or, if they're really brave, (laughs) a specific person. So think back to the last few conversations you've had with your team members. Do you recognise any of the above? And as a leader, it can be really frustrating and unrewarding when you're doing your best to find ways of engaging staff and getting real commitment, only to find out that safety at the moment is paramount for that person. So let's look at what's going on underneath. And the flip is fear, or what I call the F factor. And there are four common fears. The first one is fear of being rejected by the team or the group. You see, if we're being ourselves, offering our ideas, putting ourselves on the line, then at times we can be scared that we're going to be judged as not being good enough or intelligent enough or acceptable to the team. If there is a change being introduced and we're not fully on board, then we stay silent and we don't voice our concerns, especially if this change project happens to be the boss's pet's project. Because at this point in time, fitting in, it's more important than anything else right now. What we don't know until we have conversations with the person is, is it something to do with that particular team? Or is it something to do with a previous team where they've, spoken up, said something, wherever, and then had something happen. Whether they have then been excluded or whether something's happened and they've meant it mean something, we don't know. The second one, fear of causing offence. I mean, what if we say something and it offends another person? We don't want to rock the boat or be rejected or be reported to HR for making a politically incorrect comment So, just in case any of that might happen, we say as little as possible, or we talk vaguely, or we compromise, or we pacify. Here's one example. I work in manufacturing sites, um, and uh, I was having a conversation with a team about a current challenge on the site, and what did they see as the risks, the possibilities, etc., etc., And basically, I was getting the party line. And we weren't making much progress. So I said to them, tell me what you think is really going on. And at this point in time, eyes were searching the ground. The carpet suddenly became very, very interesting. Feet were shuffling. I'm not sure whether they were practising some dance steps. Uh, The ceiling then became interesting. Then they all looked around at one another And after what seemed like a huge gulp of air, the group fixed me with an intense stare and said, well, it would be politically incorrect. And uh, I said, well, okay. uh, it might be politically incorrect, but say it anyway. And I got the truth of how they saw it. And then I had something to work with. Now, I'm not suggesting that people should necessarily talk like that all the time. There were one or two words in there that a lady doesn't like to hear. Uh, however, and I don't mean in a, just, just some language I'm, you know, not too, too fond of, but it communicated their sentiments. In one sense, actually, it showed me that there was passion there, that they really still wanted things to work out. So I often turn around and say, you know, whilst they couldn't necessarily phrase it quite the best way, at least I knew they cared, at least I knew what was really going on. And so, you know, (laughs) there is a bit of me that would also turn around and say, if they'd felt that they could be more honest with their leaders earlier, I don't think we'd have reached that particular position. And I think things could have improved far earlier than they did. And what was really fab was things really did improve. And... There was a really great performing team after that. So let's look at fear number three. Fear of being wrong. Because we all like to have the answers, don't we? Uh, To be perfect, of course. To not propose a solution or idea and look stupid. I mean, really, nobody walks in on a Monday morning and thinks, Ha ha, today, 11 o'clock, I think I'd like to look really stupid. So, of course, we sit tight and we keep quiet. And we're working it all out in our head until we have it totally sorted. Until we think it makes complete sense. Every wrinkle ironed out. And of course by then the whole course of the conversation can have moved on. And we've missed the moment. And in some cases we've missed the moment. We go, well I've missed the moment. That's it. We say nothing. And our contribution would have been valid. Other times, we go, well, we've missed the moment, but we've thought about it so long in our head that we go, well, I'm going to share it anyway, and we share it. And here's the thing, one of these bits is sometimes it's still a really valid point, but because we've missed the moment and gone really quiet, people go, oh, shut up, we've moved on, that's it, we're not listening to that anymore, Um, which is a great shame we kind of need to learn at times that we don't have to have it all worked out sometimes if we're not sure about something just saying I'm not sure about something Uh, I'm not sure about X or Y at least then people go okay either do we pause and help you work it out or do we just note that you're not sure about it and so if in future you say I've worked out really what I'm not sure about it's okay and the last fear the fourth fear Fear of retribution. See, what happens if we do speak up or share how we see reality right now? Or we point to the dead moose on the table? Are we going to be shot down, shut out or taken outside and had a quiet word with? What happened to the last person who did this? Where are they now? What impact did it have on their career progress? These are all things we take into consideration at some point and then make a decision, speak up or not speak up. Rarely do we subsequently review the decision we made, unless, of course, some pain comes along to prompt a review. This means that your team members could be operating from a work environment that was years ago, or their experience of another leader, or even from another company. So, how do we move forward? Well, like just about anything in leadership, of course, we model it. We review how often we let any of these fears creep into our choices and are demonstrated in our behaviours. I mean, if you're not sure if you're seeing yourself as others do, then you can ask someone to help you. Ask your coach, a mentor, because they're an external party to what's happening and often a most objective Then when you've had a look at yourself, you can go out there and help your staff to reduce their fears. I mean, the benefits of taking the time to do this, well, increase trust for a start, at least between you and them, but probably actually with others too. You're more likely to have engaged and committed people wanting to uh, solve problems, problems. a lot faster or be with more agility. I mean, you know what, they could even be solved before they've become really big problems. It's just a case of, are you modelling what it is you want to see in a team? Are you showing them the way? Until next time.